is only on prayer. Less than 500 on faith. Yet mentions money 2,085 times. You've got to wonder, don't you, like, God, is there something else you could talk about occasionally? Like, Lord, do you have a problem with money that you have to talk about it all the time? Four times more than faith, four times more than prayer? God, what, what's, what's the deal here? Well, I decided this morning, I, I want to be like God. And I want to speak about money again. And uh, because if Jesus speaks about it so much, I want to be like him. Who reckons that's a good thing? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. So, hey, look, I've <laughs> bought some more money. So this time, though, what I did is, last week, you might have noticed I had some 50s. But a number of people saw it and fainted. Like, they were overwhelmed by it. So I thought, I can't do that again. So I just cut it back to 20s because I think most of us can handle this. And I'm actually going to give some of these away a little bit later on. So if you've got $500, if you give me $500, i am going to give you 20 <laughs> I will work a deal for you later on, all right? So it'd be an Indian deal, though. You can be sure of that. <clears throat> but um, why does God speak so much about money? I mean, what, why? I mean, you've got to ask it. What God? Why do you go on and on and on about this stuff? Well, there's two real reasons, two major reasons for this. The first one is you cannot serve God and money. The Bible is really clear. You you can't love the feel of this. <laughs> I can see some of your eyes are watering already. Your mouths are. You just want to get your. You can't love this stuff, you know, and and serve God as well. Now, you, you may be generous, but you can still love the stuff. So you just got to be really careful. It's a heart issue. So you, you can't love this and serve God, okay? That's number one. The Bible is very clear on this. You can't serve God, mammon. But secondly, we're going to throw up a verse for you right now. Luke 16 and verse 1 says, If you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? You see, handling money right is a vital key to God's blessing upon your life. So if you want to experience spiritual riches, God says, you know, if you're, if you're not trustworthy with handling this stuff here, God's not going to trust you with spiritual riches. <clears throat> what are spiritual riches? Presence of God? God's anointing upon your life? The gifts of God? The peace of God? The favor of God? The, the open heaven of God, breakthrough, yeah. breakthrough, yeah. you know, answers to prayer, victory, all of those things, miracles, healing, aren't they spiritual blessings? Yeah. Well, can you, let's get this clear, folks. It's not messing around here. God is saying, if you don't handle this right, you're shutting the door to spiritual blessing. I know some pastors, I don't do this. When people come to them with a problem, the first question they ask them is, do you tithe? Seriously. They're so convinced that if a person doesn't do that, the chance of them getting blessed is so limited. They say, let's get this sorted out first. So friends, that's why Jesus goes on about this so, so much. Because it's for your blessing. It's so that you might have an open heaven over your life. God does not need your money. He owns all the money. Do you reckon God's short of a dollar? 
Come on, Tack, give me, come on, Tack, give me some, I'm sure 50 bucks if you. God doesn't need your money. And quite frankly, nor does the church. The reason you need to give is for one reason alone for your blessing, for your good. So God can do more and more in your life. So we've got to get this one sorted out in our lives. Wealth is like seawater. The more you drink, the thirstier you become. The more money you get, the more you want. It's just a fact of life. And so, especially if there's a love of money in our lives. And the same is true of fame. No fame is enough fame. I can, and that's just a fact of life as well. <clears throat> so this, this stuff, <laughs> it's powerful. Let me tell you how powerful it is. <clears throat> Some people will lie to get more of it. They'll lie to the tax department. They'll lie to social welfare. Some people will steal to get more of it. You know, they'll steal from wherever they can. Steal from the government. <clears throat> steal from the bank. Don't pay their bills. That's stealing. That's stealing. Hello? Don't pay their, ben- Don't pay their bills or pay months late. Some people, for this, they'll kill. Is that true? Tells you how powerful it is. It's so powerful. That's why we've got to break the hold of this thing in our lives. So let's go to Ephesians 4.28. It gives you three levels of handling your finances. Number one is let him who stole steal no longer. So level one is you steal to get. I trust there's no one like that here, but there possibly is. Level two is, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good. So you work to get. Okay? First one is level one, steal to get. Well, most of us are at level two, I'm sure. We work to get. But there's a third level, that they may have something good to give to him who has need. So level three is you work to get in order to give. Now, the pressure of the world forces most people and most Christians to live at level two, we work to get. And if we get enough, yippee-doo, we're satisfied. But God and his word pushes us relentlessly, relentlessly to level three. You work to get in order to give. Why does he push you relentlessly in that direction? For your blessing, for your good, for spiritual favor on your life and open heaven on your life. This is all for you. If you can get this area of your life sorted out, friends, it's, gonna, it's a game breaker. It will change your life forever and for your family as well. But a lot of people never quite get on top of this one. But you can. Now, God does not need your money, as we said. So why does he ask you to give? Obviously, to release the blessing of God on your life. Just remember that financial freedom is not having lots of money so you can pay your bills. Many of the wealthiest people in the world are totally bound by money. It's a bondage. Financial freedom is when you no longer worry about money. That's financial freedom. That's freedom. You know, I trust many of us or some of us have got to that place of freedom in our lives. You see, big salaries are a, they're a thing of the day. And a lot of people have a good salary, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing evil in it. The only evil in a big salary 
is when you think it means you've got to have a big lifestyle. The only thing wrong with a high salary is when you think you've got to have a high lifestyle. See, we're conduits of God's grace. In other words, His money's blessing flows through us. But sometimes we think that the conduit has to be lined with gold. No, it doesn't need to be lined with gold. Copper is good enough. A lot of blessing and favor can flow through copper. Unbelievable riches to other. So there's a young Italian man in the U.S., came from Italy. All he had was a clothes on his back. He had nothing else. That's all he had. One day he's in church. <clears throat> this is how it works. He says, God, if you give me an idea for business, I'll give a portion of my money back to you. That moment in that service, God gave him the idea of squeezed orange juice. And he made, set up the Tropicana Company, and the rest is history, as he went on to make so much money. Anthony Rossi gave not 10% of his money to God, but 50% of his income for 60 years. 50%, friends. 10 is the starting point. It's the baseline. But then we just move it up and move it up. But you see, friends, when he made that decision to give, it unlocked creativity that was in him. And I would suggest to you, if he had never made that decision to give, he would have never got the creative idea about this orange juice, and he would never have made the money that he was making today. See, giving unlocks things in our lives. That, as I said, I was waking up in the night with this message, and the Lord was just saying to me, Tark, this is such a crucial message for your people. Push it out as hard as you can, is what I was thinking, because it's going to unlock the riches of God that have been deposited within our lives. We'll come back to that in a little while, a bit more. <clears throat> but to be able to give more, you have to spend less. Yeah. Tell the person next to you, spend less. Okay? I'm going to look at six types of spenders, and some of you are going to be really guilty. All right, you ready for this? Number one is this impulsive spending. You're in a shopping mall, and there's a red light sale. For the next one hour, everything is 50% reduced. How many of you would buy nothing? Some of you, you would buy stuff you don't even need because you're an impulsive spender. Or you see some shoes for sale. $120 reduced today, only 50%. $60, so you buy the $60, you rush home to your husband and say, honey, you won't believe it, I just saved you $60. Yeah. Or there's a TV on sale, 40% off. And so what do you do? You don't need a new TV, but you think, man, this is too good a deal to get past, not realizing that next day it's going to be 60% off. <laughs> That's what happens, doesn't it? <clears throat> Impulsive <clears throat> spenders. But then there's compulsive spenders. Not impulsive, but compulsive. <clears throat> this one's quite sad because they have an unmet, ne unmet need in their life and they go out and spend money to release the pressure. They medicate their internal pain by spending. They buy things they don't need. It's a bit sad, that one. All right. But then there's number three, the boredom spender. The boredom spender. And the boredom spender is bored. And so they go out and buy stuff, buy stuff they don't need. They go, buy stuff, I'm bored. I want to suggest you, if you're bored, turn up at Church Unlimited and volunteer to serve in the church, and we'll get rid of your boredom for you. 
Don't go spend your money. It costs you nothing to come and serve here voluntarily. So you've got to spend less in order to give more. All right? Spend less, give more. That would make a good rap, Adrian, for next Sunday. Spend less, give more. You know, put a few dance moves in it and, you know, get some of the guys going. Come on, church, let's go. Spend less, give more. Spend less, give more. You're very quiet on this, aren't you? Come on, put some volume into it. Let's go. Spend less, give more. Tell the person next to you, spend less, give more. There we go. Has that got through to the front row? Has it got through to the front row? Spend less, give more. The second row, up in the balcony. <coughs> hey, I'm not done yet. Then there's a special interest spender. Mm-hmm. Yep. This person has an Achilles heel. There's a guy who earns $30,000 a year, and he's got $20,000 worth of camera equipment. He can't go past a camera shop without buying something. Do you have an Achilles heel? It could be shoes. Imelda Marcos had 2,000 pairs of shoes. Some of you have got more shoes than you need. Is it an Achilles heel? Let's move right along here. Is it dresses? Is it fishing gear? Is it the iPhone? Uh, you just got to upgrade every time a new iPhone comes out. You have got to get it. Is it golf equipment? You're rude. So rude. Then there's status spenders. They, they get them to design their clothes. <laughs> I remember years ago, I had this Nike T-shirt. It looked pretty flash. And I went on a holiday, and these yuppies, you know, young pups, one of them came up to me and says, eh, that's a fake Nike T-shirt. <laughs> I ministered to him and visited him in hospital the next day. Rude. It was true, though. It was fake. I wouldn't know. I mean, designer clothes. No one knows. No one knows you've got to design a clothes on. What's the deal? Except for others who have designer clothes, and they're probably not in this church anyway. <laughs> Maybe not. Well, they could be. They could be. Let's not be rude. <clears throat> so make your decision. Here's a decision I want you to make today. Your whole peer group can pass you in status, but you're not going to spend your life trying to keep up with them. Forget it, friends. Keep up with Jesus. Don't keep up with your neighbor. Who cares? Who cares what car they drive? Who cares what house they live on? Who cares what size their TV is? How much treasure have they got in heaven? That's all that matters. Who cares? Spend less. Save more. Give more. Spend less. Give more. We can all do that. We can all do that. It's not that hard. <clears throat> so true financial freedom is having enough to get by on and some to give away. But we've got to find ways to demagnetize this stuff. It's, you know, you've got to, and you know, one of the ways you demagnetize is just, just go down Henderson Mall, a few hundred bucks, and just throw it in the air. <laughs> yeah. Just get, if you can't do it, you've got a problem with money. It's got a hold on you. You've got to be able to give it away, friends. So I'm going to give some away this morning. Are you ready for this? The first one is going to go to someone who's at impact age, which is 11 
12 or something like that. And I know that they're already there now today. First service, I couldn't find one. The impact age, and you had a birthday this last week. Any impact last week? Anyone impact birthday last week? Anyone? Where? Where? Come and get it. You better run. Standing upstairs. Look at him. Look at him go. Look at him go. Wow. Hey, here's two of them. Here's two of them. Lucky I've got plenty of money. There you go. Happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Here's one more. Gosh. You know, one day they're going to run that fast to the salvation altar call. <laughs> okay, I've got another one here. And it's your, someone who last week had a wedding anniversary. Wedding anniversary. Wedding anniversary. There we go. There we go. Come on. Come on. Come and get it. Fantastic. Oh, two of you. Two wedding anniversaries. Man, has someone got some more money for me here? <laughs> we'll leave this one down here for you, all right? So the last one is oh, another one there. What you, shish. Sweetie, you got some more money for me? You got no more? Run out. Run out? So all I've got. All I've got is $10 left, sorry. That's my, my, my wallet. I'm serious, it's empty. It's gone, all right? Church, it's empty. It's empty. I'll be on the door on the way out. All right, this last one. Sorry, it's pathetic. But uh, it's your... I wish I could give more to this one. But look, you're unemployed, but you're looking for a job. Who's that? One person. I can only have one person. Up the back there, sir. You've got to move, you see. If you want this, no, this guy here's got it here. Here we are, sir. Ten, sorry, it's only $10, but. Oh, okay. I've got ten, five here. Five here. This one, whoever raised your hand in here. Come and get it. Unemployed? You raised your hand, didn't you? Yeah, come and get it. $5. There you go. That's it. I'm broke. I've never had more response in a service. <laughs> Money. Money will do the job, folks. Yeah. Get everybody, especially if you're giving it away. But we improve ourselves more than what or, what or who we give to. See, life of giving pays huge dividends in every area of our lives. And every one of us wants to actually give. Do you know it's deep in your heart to be generous? Why? Because you're made in the image of God, and God's the greatest giver of all time. And so that God within you wants to get out. He wants to be released to give. And when, when you start to give, I believe it begins to unlock what God has deposited in your life. You know, there are seeds of greatness within you. There are gifts and abilities within you. And I reckon the spiritual riches that come, when you start to give, it begins to unlock some of those things in your life and unlocks creativity in your life. It it's, it's a key to emotional well-being and emotional health. Giving is one of the single greatest keys to the favor of God in your life. Acts 20 verse 15, it's more blessed to give than to receive because it, it does so much. It, releases a, the, it can release a health in your life. You discover who you are. We're at our best when we're giving. That's when you're at your best, friends. Because that's what God is like. He's just the ultimate giver. You know, I've been a Christian a long time, over 40 years now, saved when I was three. 
He's so rude, this church. <laughs> but in all those years, let's take 40 years. In 40 years, I've not missed one tithe. I've not missed one tithe. And I've given generously beyond the tithe, pretty much from the very beginning. And I believe that one of the reasons, seriously, that God has unlocked the gifts and the callings of God in my life, opened doors for me to minister in that I never dreamed in my wildest dreams that that was even within me. But I believe that a lifestyle of generous giving has opened the heavens over my life. It's unlocked the treasures that God has deposited within me. And as the years have gone by, I've developed that giving muscle. You know, I started to live, I've given more, then I've given more, and I've given more, and I've increased my giving to, it now sometimes amazes me what I'm doing, but I've, I've made that muscle stronger. And I challenge you, in Jesus' name, strengthen your giving muscle. Strengthen it, and watch God open the heavens over your life and do things that will blow your mind. Seriously. I can't think of anything at this level that can unleash God's favor and blessing upon your life. You see, in all of you, there are seeds of greatness. Because what I felt God saying to me in the night, that this message, as people start to give, it's going to unlock what God's put in your life. How many of you know that there's so much more in you? Don't you all know that? This, this is one of the keys to unlocking so much stuff in our lives. John D. Rockefeller was the first billionaire. Every decision, every relationship was to create power and wealth. But at the age of 53, he's in in health. He can't smile. He can't sleep. He's lost all his hair, can only digest milk and crackers, and his body is full of pain. The doctor said, you're going to die within a year. You're dead, man. So he's on his deathbed, as it were. He wakes up one morning, has this revelation that he can't take any of his success and his money with him. And so that moment of revelation, I pray you get it as well. He decided to, to uh, put all his success, his wealth. He, he created the Rockefeller Foundation towards hospitals, to mission, and to, um, to research in, in these different areas. And as a result of that, it led to the discovery of penicillin, of cures for malaria and tuberculosis. But watch this, friends. The moment he made a decision to give his money away, his body began to heal. And he lived not to not just 53, he lived to the age of 98. If he had never got the revelation, friends, he would have been dead with the cures, probably he would still be trying to discover them today. Giving unlocks God's blessing upon your life, God's favor upon your life. I was visiting recently, or not long ago, a gentleman, he's on death's door. It's an experience I'll probably never forget. And, you know, as I was chatting away to him, he kept repeating these words a number of times. And they'd mention something he owned. And he'd just say, give it away. Then they'd talk about something else. He said, give it away. I thought, what is this? Something else. He said, give it away. He realized on death's door, friends, he couldn't take anything with him. And he said, just give it away. Friends, let's not wait till death's door. Until we start giving away. Until we start being generous. Until we start, you know, giving more than we feel like giving. 
give it away. Spend less, give more. Matthew 6, 19 to 20. Watch this verse. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither rust nor moth destroys, where thieves do not break in and heal. Friends, the issue of life is this. It's not what you have here on earth, but it's a treasure that you've got waiting for you up in heaven. Why spend your life accumulating on this earth? More and more stuff, friends. And neglecting to accumulate wealth in heaven. Why have treasure on the earth that you will be able to have and enjoy for 60, 70, 80, God willing, 90 years? You have treasures on earth, friends. Whatever it might be, a house or a car or you know, your, your clothes or other possessions, and you can enjoy them for a moment. A whisper, a breath, a shadow, a second is what my Bible says. Why focus on that when you can have treasure in heaven that you can enjoy for billions of years? It's yours forever, friends. This is a no-brainer. Send up the treasure in heaven and be rich beyond belief. You don't want to get to heaven and say, and you, know, you say to Jesus, where's my house? And he points you to a New Zealand batch, and it's only got one room and a thatched roof and a long drop. You say, God, is that all I get? He said, that's all the treasure you sent me up. It's going to happen to some people, friends. Get your treasure up into heaven and see what God will do. He'll look after you. Believe me, he will look after you. You don't have to worry about that. One of the best things we can give to is mission. If you're not filled in a faith promise for me, I encourage you to do it. Even if it's $10 a week or a dollar a week, just put something in. You know, maybe all you can do is $50 for the year, $52, dollar a day. Do it, friends. Because once you start, oh, you won't be able to stop. You'll suddenly think, wow, why didn't I do this 10, 20 years ago? Just start wherever you can start. Just start. Don't be ashamed. And do it, just do it. John Mott wrote that having a knowledge of Christ has incurred tremendous responsibility to those who don't know him. When we know Christ... <coughs> Listen, friends, we have a tremendous responsibility to make him known to others, to make Christ known. I, I discovered, talk to some people, they've just got no purpose in life. Their life's just so boring. They get up, you know, they go to work and, you know, make their way through Auckland gridlock traffic or wherever it might be, have a bad day at the office, come home, have a meal, watch some TV and go to bed and start all over again the next day. Boring, boring, boring. But God's got a life of great purpose for you. He wants you to partner with him in the greatest cause on the planet earth, and that is to make Jesus known to the entire world, from your neighbor to the ends of the earth. Give to mission and watch God bless your life in tremendous ways. Fill in one of those forms. I'm going to look at four motivations to give or four levels of giving. The lowest level is self-interest. Self-interest is a person sees that um, the church is good for family, good for the kids, Hey, God, here's, I was going to get some money up, but I've got none left. God, you know, here's 20 bucks, God. Here's, here's 20 bucks for the church, you know. Keep, keep looking after my kids. Oh, here's 30 bucks. It's just self-interest. A bit like the sports cup, please. Then there's level two, which is spiritual gratitude, Psalm 116, 12. What can I give back to God for all he has given to me? So we're grateful for salvation, for breakthroughs, answers to prayer. Oh, God, thank you so much. So 
God, here's $30, here's $50. You have it occasionally, not all the time, just, you know, irregularly, but, you know, God, I'm thankful, here's a bit of money. But then there's a level three, which is obedience. Obedience means that we give what is God's. Malachi 3 verse 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. In other words, the first 10% of the money you earn, it belongs to God. It actually belongs to God. So when you don't give it to God, some people actually call it stealing. In fact, the Bible calls it that. But Matthew 22, 21 says, give back to God what is God's. Oh, that's pretty simple, isn't it? You're not even giving God your money. (laughs) He's just saying, can you just give me back what's mine, please? But God is, he won't force you to do it. He's not like the tax man. <laughs> tax man's smart. Tax man, work, he, you know, I can put your head through the mind of the tax man. He thought to himself, okay, all these people at Church Unlimited West, if I give them all the money and trust them to give me back the, the, the percent they owe me in the taxes, I don't think I can trust them. So what does he do? He takes the money before you see it. But God is different. God says, no, 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 I can trust these people. They're Christians. They've got Jesus in their hearts. They're the light of the world. I'll give them all the money. And I'll just trust them to give back to me what is mine. It's very quiet in this place right now. (laughs) Moving right along. What happens is the 90% we keep has God's blessing on it. So W.L. Douglas was unemployed for so long. Years ago. And he has a dollar left. What's the story? It's just for some of you to hear today. Offering comes around. He's got a dollar left. So, being a man of faith, he puts 50 cents, half his income. Half what he had left, he puts in the offering. I mean, that's a big, that's a widow's mite. He does that. Then he starts looking for a job, and he hears of a job in a certain town. So he goes to get on the train, and they said, oh, you want to go to this place? And the guy said, it's a dollar. He said, Oh, man, it's only got 50 cents left. So I think, what a dumb decision I made. That's how some Christians think. So he pays the 50 cents, he gets halfway. Gets off the train, starts walking, and suddenly hears about jobs going in that area of town, in that part of town where he just got off. In 30 minutes, no more friends, 30 minutes, he has a job which a much higher salary than he would have got if he had managed to get to the other town with the dollar. The 50 cents he had left went further than if he kept it all. That's how it works, friends. God watches over and blesses. And that man became a wealthy shoe manufacturer. But it started with the 50 cents. Faithful and very, very little. See, God owns everything. Haggai 2 verse 8, the silver and gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. So all the money you have, friends, God owns it. All right, it's not yours, it's not mine. God owns it. Deuteronomy 8.18, remember the Lord your God, it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Any money you're making, listen, God gave you the power to make that money. God enabled you to make that money, and it belongs to him. God owns all the money. Remember the donuts? J. John, God owns all the donuts. (laughs) You know, and he only asked for one that we should give back to him. But now I want you to just listen for a moment. Even though all our money comes from God and belongs to Him, we get to keep 90%. Like, wow. 
aunt, tell the person, you are so lucky. Yeah, just tell you, so, you get to keep 90%. Who else would be that generous? You know, I would never give people 90% of my money. I just wouldn't do that. But God does that. See, possession does not mean ownership. Possession does not mean ownership. You don't own any of your money. God owns it all. That's what the Bible teaches. We might possess, but God owns. We are to faithfully look after his money for him. So listen to this. How we use what God gives us is more important than how much we have. So how we use it is more important than how much we earn. And we've got to give an account. Some people think, oh, I give God 10%, 15%. Hey, I can do what I like with the rest. No, you can't. You've got to give an account and use the rest of it wisely because it belongs to God. He's trusting you to use it in the right ways and use it from your, like you're looking after it for him. So he's just as concerned about how we use the 90% of our income as about the 10% or more that we may give to him. He's just as concerned about both. And so here's my advice to you. With the money you keep after giving to God, before you spend any of it, think and pray. Say, God, does this expenditure have your approval? Does this overseas trip have your approval? Because he's trusting you to use that 90% or whatever it is faithfully for the glory of God. Think, pray, and then you can spend. Then there's level four of giving, which is spiritual vision. Spiritual vision. At this level, we realize the world is in deep trouble. How many of you know the world is in deep trouble? It's a broken world, isn't it? The world is in such a desperate state right now. You watch the news all the time. I can't believe how bad it is. And the only hope of the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that can think, that can fix what's happening in our world today. The church is the only hope of the world. And friends, when you get spiritual vision, you realize that the world is in such a desperate stage and state and things are getting worse and you realize that none of the presidents can fix it, none of the prime ministers can fix it, businessmen can't fix it. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can fix the broken world today. When we understand that, friends, when we realize that, when a person has spiritual vision, they begin to strategically, aggressively plan how they can use as much of their resources, their time, their talents, their emotions, their energies, their gifts to make this gospel known from all, to the ends of the earth. Amen. They put everything they possibly can into the greatest cause on planet earth. That's spiritual vision. You don't then have to be asked to give. You don't have to be asked to serve. You don't have to be asked to do anything. You're burning with this fire in your belly, knowing that what you have in your hands is the hope of the world, and the church is the answer. Spiritual vision, friends, I pray that God will grant it to you in Jesus' name. J.C. Penney was working for $6. He dreamed of being worth $100,000. He reached that goal. <laughs> Not satisfied, he wanted a million. That's the way it works, isn't it, with money? But he found money didn't satisfy. Business began to struggle. He got worried and got shingles. Shingles are so bad he's in hospital. Conditions gets worse, he's on death's door. He's so sure he's going to die, he writes farewell letters to his family and friends. 
Wakes up in the morning and hears a song down in the chapel. He struggles to get down to the chapel, but he finally gets there and he hears these words, no matter what may be the test, God will take care of you. Something impacted him. He was saved. He was fantastically healed. And although his business was collapsing, he decided to tithe. And then he, God blessed him and he, blessed, and he gave above the tithe. And eventually his turnover was $4.1 billion per year. And he gave 90% of his income to God. 90%. Here's the game breaker, friends. Here's the key. When J.C. Penney got saved, God got his heart and his wallet. God got his heart and his money. Does God need your money? No. Is God short of a dollar? No. Does the church need your money? No. So why should you give? Acts 20, 15. It's for your blessing. It's for your good. It will open the favor and the blessing of God all over your life. And it's my prayer that each and every one of us will get this revelation because it's going to unlock so much that God has deposited in our lives. Spend less, give more, give faithfully to God, and then watch what God will do in Jesus' name. Amen.